0: My style is impetuous,
1: my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious. I want your heart, I want to eat his children. Praise be to Allah. Welcome back to another episode of Punch Drunk You're back with myself, Mason also known as The Style Bender, and Sam Mule Holderness Wiggins' least sexiest man This week we're going to be covering all of the big stories and all of the big fights from uh, the world of MMA We're going to be looking at the UFC and all of the big fights there and the PFL So guys, strap in, get yourselves a beer because it's time
0: So UFC Um you know, that's us start of the main card. Uh, I figure the best thing to do, let flip it on its head. We've gone most exciting to least exciting in the last few weeks um, on paper as far as the headliner down. Let's flip it and turn it. The The first fight for me that I was interested and intrigued about going into uh, was was Um I know a lot of well-thought-about pundits um, and fighters rate him. Um, Coming in undefeated, which in mixed martial arts is is crazy. I can name on on my hands the number of undefeated fighters. You know, I was going to say you're lucky, but you're very skillful if you're getting three or four in a row. So to to be 14, um, I know is fantastic. And plus, the guy comes to a ring wearing a a wolf hat that's made of wolf. So you know, interesting guy. What's your thoughts?
1: Absolutely, it smeshed him. Smashed uh, him, yeah, um, Khabib style. Um, very, very exciting fighter. Yeah, um, a tall kind of gangly guy. Um, yeah. But his reach—I mean, I, I, I'm not—I'm not sure of his exact reach. But from the highlights that we watched, look absolutely massive. I mean, he was literally getting in um, positions where. Um, uh, Pazeres was on the ground, and he's literally just you know hunched over, smacking him in the in the face. The range was incredible.
0: Yeah, it, his build is almost. I was going to be, be a bit unfair there, but say it's almost Diaz like in the sort of the length. He, he's more muscular, but you, you're right. Like when when he was on the ground, he was punching around the guy's guard. When he was stood up, it stood up. He was hitting him great strikes. You know, he's heavy handed. He's he's good on the ground. I mean. He's from Kazakhstan, let's face it. They don't make, you know, wusses from Kazakhstan. If you fight your way into the mainstream from one of those, you know, ex-Eastern bloc countries, you're a hard bloke. And then to go and hit that 14-0 record, I mean, I don't know much about his his childhood, but if I'm thinking back to the only person that I know from Kazakhstan, um, Gennady Golovkin, he's known for the fact that when he was younger his brothers would make him fight men they literally just go in the street right you fight that guy and they'd have to go and fist fight with people Um, and if he didn't he'd get beat up by his brothers and apparently from what i've read about that that kind of like just public fighting and gritting and in boxing just fighting versus men when you're 12 13 14 years old is just something that, that they do in that region so he's going to be a hard bloke. I was I was really impressed with what I saw. To be fair, I've not seen a whole heap of him. I've heard more about him than, than I've seen, but he definitely brought it to the table in in the fight.
1: It's the way that he you know really mixed up his styles. I mean, one minute he was you know throwing straights, throwing rights. Um, the next he was doing you know um, a, a spin kick to the dome. You know we saw that on on one occasion. I think hit right in the jaw just. Absolutely, you know, crazy way to mix it up. But the way he was putting pressure on the on, the, on his opponent, and not just in a kind of a typical jiu-jitsu and, and wrestling sense where it's just, you know, trying to get you on the ground as, as quickly as possible. This guy was dominating, whether he was standing, whether it was, you know, in the clinch, whether he was on the floor. And, you know, I, I really felt bad for Preserius because... The levels there were just completely, you know, two different levels, or at least it seemed to me. Um, you know, usually you get your fighters who will, you know, dominate in, in one field and the kind of, you know, uh, well, I'm not going to say average, but they're, you know, they're, they're good enough in others, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. This guy seems very well rounded.
0: Yeah, he does. And you know what, for early on in his UFC career to make that kind of statement, you know, some heavy, heavy shots landing, like you say, he looks very well rounded. I'm definitely excited to see where his, his career goes. You know, interesting to see where he goes from there. Yeah. So the card itself, obviously, following on from that, we've got the uh, Tanabosa fight versus OSP. Um, obviously, a bit of controversy after it. A good fight um, in in total. You know, take it away. What what did you think?
1: Yeah, a good fight. I think you you know we will come to the controversy. I don't. I actually think there was a lot of controversy there. Uh, Me personally, you know, I've seen a little bit of the backlash on social media and and some of the, um, you know, some of the former fighters talking about it. Um, The fight itself, I mean, OSP um, has never really blown me away, didn't blow me away particularly uh, in this fight. And it's a shame because, you know, some of his, um, some of his defence was good. You know, especially, you know, uh, I think he did well, well enough on the ground. Um, slipped a couple of really, you know, um, good shots as well for such a, you know, quite a big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, just doesn't do enough. It, it, it just seems to me like, I, it, when I watched him fight and it was the same in this fight, you're just thinking, you're not aggressive enough. You're not being aggressive enough. You're not you're not putting enough pressure on, on your guy here. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm not sure if he's trying to maybe wait for the other fighter to gas and, and, and maybe load up a big, you know, you know I'm not sure, but no. it's not, it doesn't work. And it it didn't, whatever his tactic was in this fight, it didn't come across and it, it didn't work.
0: No. I, and look, I mean, both of them, neither of them are spring chickens. And I mean, looking across the records, they're, they're both very similar records. Um, you know, it's nothing to write home about that. They know um, Khabib with, uh, you know, huge, um, unbeaten streaks uh, and that was what was inter- interesting for me going in you know they are in similar stages they both generally come to fight Um i would probably say especially after that that osb is a little bit more long in the tooth um but i don't know it was just a bit lackluster I, I think even down to the the finish it, it kind of echoes the whole fight in the sense of you know he's saying about the push off of the fence and you know there is arguments about what what happened there but if you actually look at it yeah that would have helped him get up but the way he just puts his head down doesn't really defend himself and and opens himself up for that knee to the head that's that's the finish of the end if it's a guy who truly thinks that they're gonna win and, and the, you know they've got a good chance in the fight you don't put yourself in that position it's not like he was being held down. It was not like he'd just been hit by a huge shot. It was almost as if he was taking a bit of a rest and a, and a bit of a breather and he wasn't really thinking too much about what was coming back at him. And when you're a big guy like that and you're fighting versus a big guy like Tana Boza, you can't put yourself in a position where you're open to shots like that.
1: I think, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, I completely agree. I think, you know, in regards to the controversy, um, the main controversy was was the was the fence grabs now you know the the official rules state that you can you know with an open fist clench the side of the fence yeah. to maintain the yeah. advantage. Which hands is fair. or toes or- yeah um and what what is apparently happened here is he's not doing he's, he's actually just using his palm to push off the yeah. uh, off off the fence which again is legal. um i mean regard i mean to be honest regardless if he did or didn't we see fighters do that every week. Yeah. yeah? It's, it's, it's not like a, it's not like a, a massive low blow. It's not, no. you know, it's not, it's, it's not anything like that. It's, it's something that's really common. Uh, yeah. In, How
0: many times do uh, you hear the ref say, like, toes out the cage? Yeah, and... yeah, exactly.
1: And I think, and like you said there, it wasn't, that wasn't the reason mm. that um, um, that OSP lost that fight. Uh, he lost the fight because you know he didn't try hard enough, wasn't aggressive enough, wasn't throwing enough. Yeah. The one thing I will say, and I think this is the, I think this is actually more controversial than um, the fence grab, which mm-hmm. in my opinion wasn't controversial. Mm-hmm. I actually think the fight was stopped a little bit too early. Mm-hmm. I think yes, okay, he was rocked by the knee. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the referee pretty much waved it off after after the first punch and the first punch barely landed i've got to add he wasn't going to win that fight yeah he was in no danger there
0: no i think it's one of them where the the knee obviously hurts him it clearly hurts him yeah. and then he hits him with that left hook and it, i think it's the way he falls i'm not too sure i couldn't i couldn't really see if any of the follow up sh- shots landed like you said but i think from the referee's perspective when you see somebody crumble forwards, that always worries you know. Different yeah. someone losing the foot and going sideways and back, but when you see somebody fall forwards, you always worry and think the worst, especially as he can't see into his eyes at that point. So, you know, I it's nothing that I'm gonna riot about. You know, could he have let it go further? Yeah, pro- probably could've done to be fair. You know, could he have thrown the towel out? Could have done.
1: I just think it's interesting because, you know, a few episodes back we were talking about the officials obviously, yeah. you know, taking too long, not taking too long, and again, it's worth mentioning because it's it's another example of the consistency here. Where is the consistency? You know, we see some fighters, and we saw it, you know, in the, uh, and we, we, you know, we, we will cover it. We saw it in the in the PFO. We saw a dude literally eat fifteen hammer fists to the to the face. Yeah. Before it was stopped.
0: Yeah. Um He was dead. Yeah, was exactly. Dead.
1: And I think what was it? A, a hook? One hook landed. Yeah. Um. And and again, I'm not sure how much. You know, I'm not complaining about. You know, it. it you know, it being stopped. He was going to lose the fight either way. It's the. It's the consistency yeah. for each fight. There has to be. It more does. It does. Consistency.
0: You know what? I mean. There's been a lot of controversy recently with uh, UFC. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that there was that big stir between uh, Herb Dean and he was getting abuse from ex-fighters and all sorts of stuff about the way that he uh, stopped a fight and then the way he didn't stop a fight and various different things and there's been a few different referees but what i will say from someone whose main kind of focus is over in the boxing world looking from over in boxing land over at specifically ufc not mma specifically ufc i think they've got it a lot better and what i mean by that is They do courses that uh, you can go through so you can sign on if you look at most of the the ufc referees you can sign up to their courses and they'll talk you through the unified mixed martial arts rules of what it is to score a fight what you should be looking for what you should stop now albeit there is the issue that state to state it changes slightly that can cause confusion but if you go and look, and I know this is the MMA show, but if you go and look at boxing and you look at uh, the Boxing border Control in the UK, you go over and look at, uh, I don't know, the the Nevada State Athletic Commission over uh, in uh, Nevada specifically, but, you know, in, in USA, and you look at all these different places, no one actually tells you what to score. They tell you that it's a 10-point must system, um, which is obviously the same as in, in UFC and in MMA. But what they don't tell you is Do you score volume? Do you score punches that are landed? Do do you score defence? They give you a general idea, but there's no definitive scoring guide. So I at least think from a UFC and MMA perspective, there is more consistency. However, referee to referee, I think it comes back to, again, what we were saying the other day. I don't think there's consistency because people aren't held accountable. People make decisions... And they're back, back out next week doing the same thing. Yeah. Judges, you know, score things crazy. Referees jump in or don't jump in. Um, and other than social media giving them a hard time, nothing really happens from it.
1: Yeah. I think ultimately, yeah, maybe maybe it should be left down to the... well. It, I mean, it should be left down to the referee to decide when the fight ends. But I suppose it's all about keeping the fighters safe. I think... You know, we do have extremes where, uh, we, you know, we we've seen them. Everybody's seen them where you know fighters are taking too much punishment, and for whatever reason, the ref has allowed it to go way too long. Yeah, which is a lot more detrimental, I suppose, on their health rather than if it's if it's finished too early. But again, on the flip side of that, if you are calling fights too early. I suppose you know it's detrimental to the fighter's career who's who's just lost yeah uh, it's a massive yeah it can be a massive detriment to the brand if you're a if you're a fan watching that for the first time you think what what is this yeah. this is the reason I'm watching this I heard you know MMA was hardcore because yeah. that's the that's the reason you know you look at UFC in the you know in the in the early 2000s kind of late 90s, it was crazy it was mental and, that, and oh, that's yeah. what drove those old hardcore fans so I think I do think there's a a, a line here to balance of obviously let's keep the fighters safe but let's not forget the roots and let's not forget why people are watching these fights
0: yeah and don't get me wrong i don't want people going in there scratching eyeballs and yeah biting people and uh, but i do think you're right you know osp he, he's knocking on is that going to be the end of his ufc career is that gonna and i know he's appealing it but is that going to be all, all she wrote for him and you know that could have a, a big effect i mean me personally i'll be honest I thought the stoppage was fine, Mm -hmm. but you've got to take that into account. It it does have an effect. Now you don't want to see anyone get hurt, but it's a balancing act, and you know there's got to be repercussions.
1: Yeah, agreed. I think uh, me personally, this this is going to come come across extremely harsh, but I wouldn't shed a tear if it was was his last fight. I think maybe you know it might be time.
0: Get the uh, Prince and Seam hammered out. I think think he's uh, think he's got to finish. I think he's got to finish. Uh, okay main event um, so for anyone who isn't you know maybe he's come over from the uh, boxing show isn't a huge uh, MMA fan we've got uh, Cyril Gann, uh a French guy big big bloke heavyweight undefeated um, and he, he was fighting versus uh, Volkov again good fighter decent record um, well, from um, an MMA perspective, thirty three and nine, which yeah, is great, you know great. nothing to uh, nothing to shy away from. Um, the interesting thing about Gan uh, and where we are is, um, I was saying off air, maybe a strange thing to say, but physically he looks like a heavyweight champion. Um, if you haven't seen him, a similar physique to Anthony Joshua, um, you know, good looking guy. And if you look at France, obviously where he's uh, natively from, um, they have only recently just changed it so MMA is actually uh, legal there. It's something that has been illegal in, um, in France for a long time. So what a good time for someone to come in with a good record and take off in France because it's only a matter of time until we're getting a big UFC card in
1: Paris. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, obviously the recent news that MMA is is now legal in France, absolutely huge um, for, for UFC and all of MMA, by the way. You know, we were talking on last the last edition of um, the, the MMA episode. We were talking about how um, the MMA or the MMA community and the UFC had their first kind of Mexican champion. Mm-hmm. You know, we could potentially see here uh, a French champion, um, and and again another country invested uh, into into UFC. So absolutely huge news, and there's some. I don't want really, to. I don't want really to get ahead of myself because obviously you know there's still quite a way to go. But you know there are, there are big fights in heavyweight to make. We think of you know Francis Ngannou, you know who is obviously a fighter out of France as well. Um, could we see them maybe fighting in Paris?
0: Absolutely, and you know what? That's clearly the way that they're trying to take it. So I don't want to look past the the Balkhav fight. We'll, we'll come back to it. But if you put it in perspective, uh, Gann won nine and zero. Obviously ten and zero undefeated French Francis Ngannou. Uh, out of Africa, French speaking, heavyweight champion, he was supposed to fight versus uh, Derek Lewis, so they were going to have, so there was a bit of an issue, everyone was trying to get the John Jones fight, John Jones then was saying I want you know 10, 20, 30 million, whatever it was that he was asking for, that he probably deserves to be fair, Dana White was saying no you can have what you, you get and if you don't, off you pop because I don't need you, you need me and he kind of flexed that by going right Derek Lewis, you can fight versus Francis Ngannou. Ngannou was on holiday. Uh, He's saying, I won't be back for a few months. You know, I've gone all of these training camps. And Dana White's like, no, 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 you need to fight on this date. And he said, I'm not back. I'm back on this date. I can't have four months for a training camp. So what's the result of that? Dana White, for whatever reason, interim title fight. But that interim title fight, Derek Lewis versus Cyril Gann. So if Gann can come through and he can beat Derek Lewis, who is not a joke, that'd be a big fight. You already seen the path there of them wanting to do, Ngannou versus Gan. Now, obviously, Jones could step in at any point and smash those dreams to pieces. I'm not saying that he he wins that fight, but obviously that would take the precedent. But as a backup plan, trying to get the the French heavyweight undefeated interim champion to fight versus. The French-speaking African champion, you know, in Paris, in a massive stadium, that would sell astronomically. And to be fair, for the, the way that they pro fight, that would be fantastic. Gann is a, you know, a classic boxer in the sense of quick hands, quick feet, in and out, nice combinations. And Francis Ngannou is just, is a beast. He's an absolute beast. He, for boxing fans... Even though strange thing I'm about to say, he's technically a better boxer than him. He has that same sort of power as Deontay Wilder, that freakish and you're out and you're asleep power.
1: Probably more polished as well. Um, yeah, no, I completely. Yeah. The Derrick Lewis fight is is, is a massive stepping stone. Mm. You know, it's a huge, huge, huge opportunity, and um, it'd be good to see. Um, it, I'd, I'd love to see that fight. You know, there's there's still uh, question marks uh, as well uh, over garney obviously there is still in my opinion question marks over lewis we know he's had his he's, he's had his back injuries but what an entertaining fighter derek lewis is um but let's go back to, to volkov i don't want to you know, disrespect yeah, volkov anyway, absolutely. another really good fighter um another loss here and it's it's a strange one because i remember we were talking about volkov earlier on and um You know, I watched the Derek Lewis fight, and if you if you didn't watch the Derek Lewis fight, Volkov pretty much dominated each round right up until you know the last couple of minutes. And it's strange because he he the game plan was similar in that fight to this fight, but the 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 difficulty is he's fighting it. He's fighting a different fighter. He's fighting a fighter who has obviously got a you know a a decent amount of cardio. He'll hit back, uh, and he can fight all of the rounds. You know his game plan for I don't know what his game plan for Lewis was because every time you thought he was a punch away, yeah he just stepped back and allowed Lewis to recover. It was absolutely bizarre. And then obviously we all know the last couple of minutes, as Derrick Lewis can, absolutely chinned him and that was the end of the fight. Um very similar in this fight in terms of he started off pretty strong Volkov and he was he was you know he's the aggressor kind of early you know, early on in the earlier rounds but then just a, I'm not saying he allowed him, because no one would do that, but his game plan and his tactics and the way that he fought was just an easy Paffegane to to, to dominate, I suppose.
0: Yeah, let's face it. Volkov fought uh, Cyril Gant's fight. Cyril came in and it was like, blitz, quick hands, quick movement, in, out, in, out, in, out. And it was like, combination, out, combination, out. And Volkov was almost... He, he was, I don't want to say scared to throw, because he was throwing shots, but he never got any combinations going, he never got into his rhythm, because he was blitzed out, blitzed out, and he just mm. sort of followed him through the fight, you know, he did land a couple of good shots, he got landed on by a couple of, of cracking shots, so there was a good flying knee early on, there were some good combinations that, you know, you hit him with, um, and he just didn't know what to do, but that is why, I'm even more excited um for the fight that I didn't ask for the Derek Lewis fight because like you said then Derek Lewis is essentially he'll go out there and he'll just randomly throw massive combinations and it's so unorthodox that it doesn't matter if he's getting blitzed he's getting these shots in and out on him he's gonna throw some massive haymakers and if any of them land he could knock out anyone.
1: It's and and you know if if we do have any of our yeah the, the boxing uh, boxing fans and the listeners uh, listen to this and, and you're not too familiar with Derek Lewis and um, very similar to how Chisora's kind of changed his game in any fights now Chisora knows he's not got the cardio to come out swinging for you know the full round so and we saw it against um, you know Dylan White and it was unfortunate he ended up losing the fight but the last thirty seconds he just really really comes on and he's throwing haymaker after haymaker. And it, you know, it's going to work some of the time. Um, you've just got to be, a, you've got to be pitted against the right fighters. But I think, you know, for um, for Volkov and Gagne, I, I, just think Volkov played completely into into Gagne's time like, like you said. There, it was just, you know, a um, bit of a dream for Gagne in the end, I suppose. It
0: was, it was. It massively interested to see what happens. The fact that they wanted to uh, rush and Gagne into the fight within sort of four or five weeks. Means that if they follow that same path, which in theory they should, it'll be a quick turnaround for uh, for for gun Interesting to see, exciting to see. Would love to see it. I always enjoy watching uh, watching Lewis anyway, even not just because of how exciting he is inside the cage, but anyone who takes his pants off and says to Joe Rogan, "My balls are hot," you know. Interesting guy, entertaining guy. I'd be excited to see it.
1: Yeah, definitely. He's um he's one of the funnier guys in the UFC for sure. Um a real fan favourite as well. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. Let's I mean who knows who knows what's gonna happen. Maybe John Jones comes back in, doesn't want to miss a payday. You know, he's not fought for a while now. Um, you know, the longer you're out of the cage, I suppose, the the more the buzz dies out. So um I do want to see John Jones fight. Um I think and again I don't want to go too off topic here, but Jones and Lewis makes sense to me at the moment especially if, you, if you're John Jones I would be looking at a fight thinking you know what and again I don't want to be disrespectful there but that's an easy payday and it's and it's, it's a great way back into yeah. the, the front of people's minds so who knows what we're going to see
0: well so what what would you do if you're you're John Jones would you would you sit out um try and fight it and try and get that big fight sit on the sideline would you go back down and
1: fight would you no. fight a top 10 contender What what would you do so for me, if I'm John Jones, I'm absolutely licking my lips at the Lewis fight, 100%. I like Derek Lewis. Like I said, he's, he's a funny guy. He's exciting to watch. You don't know what he's going to do. Um, but, but when we're talking about John Jones here, we're talking about arguably... The greatest UFC fighter of all time, yeah, one of the yeah. you know you know maybe the best striker in the UFC you know with with the, the, you know, the spinning elbows and the um, you know the the again the backfist the kicks he's he's literally got it all great takedown defense as well, and like I said I like Lewis but if we're breaking him down technically it's a hit and hope and, and that's what it, and you uh, can't yeah. do that against Jones
0: no but I'm a, I agree I agree but that being said. I think if you had, if you really look at, at Jones, it's, it's so easy to fall in love with the man he used to be. And if I was to liken John Jones to any boxer, it'd be Floyd Mayweather. And what I mean by that is, his early fights, crazy spinning elbows, these crazy unorthodox striking that no one had ever seen. And as his career's gone on and gone on and gone on, he's almost got a bit safety conscious. And if you look at his last few fights... The points wins. the you know, safety first fights. Mm. And he's going to need that safety first if he goes to heavyweight. But I don't know. I just, I don't know what he's going to look like. He's been out of the ring for a while. He's had his problems. Chances are, if he does get in there, he'll wipe the floor with all of them. Yeah. You know, like you said, he's pr- he's probably one of, if not the greatest of all time. But it'd be interesting. I personally don't think he gets out of bed unless it's a title fight mm. um, against anyone, so nganu whoever wins. Or I could see him getting a dodgy gimmick fight versus um, somebody like Brock Lesnar. I could see Lesnar coming back and him fighting him as well. Something that will make him a lot of money that is technically a heavyweight
1: fight. I think the the one person who's central to who, who we've not mentioned and who holds all the cards always is is Dana White ultimately and we've seen this in the past if dana wants to fight he'll get a fight yeah uh, and and we know he said to you know he said to john jones if you don't want to fight you won't fight it doesn't yeah. bother me i will replace you yeah um, and he means it. and he, yeah he does exactly jones needs uh, you know we know about all the allegations in his in his career he needs to solidify that legacy now i think so yeah. i think you know, he does need a couple of title fights but ultimately I just want to see him back fighting again I want to see him back on the screens fighting again I think that he doesn't need to play safe against Derek Lewis personally I think he could go in there and put on a, a, a real clinic against Derek Lewis and again I like Derek Lewis I like him as a fighter I just don't feel he has enough kind of tools in the shed mm-hmm. to deal with whatever Jones is is going to bring I think Sean Jones is one of those alien fighters it's a little bit like Khabib it's a little bit like, I suppose, your your McGregor's, you know, maybe not now, but but years back, where they don't necessarily have to train as much as other fighters do. You know, look at your Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping, if we're talking, you know, potential and talent, you know, wasn't the greatest there ever was, mm. you know? but he was such a hard worker, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and there were two different ways to to succeed. I suppose one is you know hard work and, and determination, and the other one is just being blessed with something different and. John Jones is is one of those fighters where he's just he's he's blessed with something different. Yeah, he could it, probably go into some fights with you know top ten guys, you know, train for two weeks and and still you know perform at a really high level.
0: Yeah, it's a bit like us in our relationship. You know, you do a lot of hard work. I'm I'm just blessed. <laughs> um, but no, I I agree. It it will be interesting. The trouble is they're both as stubborn as each other. And they're both as money focused as each other. But like yourself. I just, <laughs> I just hope it just doesn't end up in that position where he just doesn't fight again. Cause Dana will hold out until he gets what he wants. And I know that he's got a new management team, uh, Jones, to try and get that decision. Yeah. Uh, Richard Schaefer from Boxing, um, who is supposed to be quite good friends and have a good relationship uh, with Dana. So hopefully they can get some movement forward. But I'd, I'd hate to waste, you know, he isn't young himself. And I'd hate to waste. The last of, you know, who he is now, yeah. and if he ever does get back in him, be past it. You know, he does get smoked by some heavyweight or beaten by somebody else, and people go, ah, he was never that good. He was just right people at the right time." Because it's not the case.
1: No, and I just want let, to let's. I want to finish on on Volkov um, because obviously now you know thirty three wins, ten losses. Like we mentioned before, it's it's not a bad record by any means, of any stretch of the imagination. I suppose the problem is. Obviously, you know, he's on a bit of a um, a bit of rut. He's having a rough patch at the moment. You know, he, he got absolutely chinned by uh, Derek Lewis. He was just outclassed against Garnet. I think for me, the one thing that he needs to, to decide on now is, and, and maybe speak to his coaches or maybe even look at changing camp. What is the... What's your strength? What are you doing going in here? Because I suppose the one thing that that's come to my mind is maybe... Maybe he is trying to play it safe and he is trying to go for the points. Maybe he thought that against Lewis that, you know, I was rocking him over and over and this is scoring me some big points here. I've got him on the ropes. Mm-hmm. I'll just take this a decision because I suppose for for the mass, mass majority of that fight he was in complete control. Yeah. Um, however, it's that is such a dangerous game plan to have in the heavyweight division. Yeah. Yeah. When you're fighting versus
0: a puncher, you don't wanna you know, you don't get paid for overtime. Don't put yourself in the way that way the big shots. Yeah, um, I mean overall, a good UFC card. Um, there isn't much in the way of UFC um, or MMA next week, uh, but I suppose that the other big event that happened uh, last week, as we spoke about on the previous show, was the uh, was the PFL. So PFL for anyone who isn't really au okay on it, and I'll be honest, I've known of PFL, it's only this season um, that I've actually started to really pay attention to it. He's actually been calling it PFA all day. PFL, you know, yeah, all day. All, yeah. My whole life, to be fair. Um, but it's it's something that, it, it's it's different, it's an interesting format for, for football fans. The best way to describe it is, it's kind of like the Champions League. There's a group stage first where you're getting points uh, if you win, points if you draw, no points if you lose, Uh, same in, you know, as far as three points for a win, one point for for a draw, Um, and outside of that, there's also some bonus points, so if you stop someone in the first round, you get an additional three points, if you stop them in the second round, you get an additional two points, and if you stop them in the third final round, you get an additional one point, nothing extra for points, which it's an interesting way to look at it, because it pushes people to go for stoppages, stoppages, and more to the point, early stoppages, in the same way that obviously in the UFC you get the bonuses for the knockouts, But it, it's an interesting format. So they come in, they have two fights, and from them they can ob- obviously end up with a maximum of 12 points, which would be two knockouts in the first round. And from that, that seeds everyone into a whole table. Uh, Ten fighters into that big table. The top four people then go out into a knockout stage. So you've got your first fighter, seed one, versus the four fighter and your second fighter, Versus the third fighter, so I suppose there might be a, a tactical aspect of it in the same way. You know, I'm sure everyone's watching the Euros at the moment. People were saying it'd probably be more beneficial for England to finish second because we're we'll getting an easier draw, and um, that kind of thing. People might be a little bit tactical, take their foot off the gas to take it to second round, or they might go, "I want to get the stoppage so I can get versus that f- the person who's likely to come in fourth But it, it's it's interesting. It's new. It's it's different. They've tweaked it. There are a few seasons in and they've changed it a little bit each time. It's interesting. Even just to, to watch it, the things that they do, speed of punches on the screen, um, rolling ticker tapes of how many shots that are landing. They've, they've not just done, this is UFC, that's Mimic UFC. They've changed it. It's something different. Uh, and it's interesting. And to be fair, from the ones that I've watched, there have been some cracking fights.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were me and you were so surprised when we, we watched the first card. Um, you know, we were talking about it. You know, a couple of weeks back on the on the MMA episode, and then we were watching the the highlights of the the latest card. I think it was twenty fifth of June. Um, pretty much every fight, just absolutely amazing action, and um, some huge huge knockouts. We saw everything. You know, from from hammer fists, spinning kicks. You know, flying knees. Um, and again, just going back to their layout, it's their layout that has caused kind of these these incredible highlights. Um, you know, first round stoppage, you know, uh, you're getting an extra three points. The incentive is there to absolutely cause damage and hurt your opponent. Um, so there's going to be... Their highlight reel for the year is going to be absolutely incredible.
0: It is, it is. My, my only... Um, I was going to say disappointment, but it's not disappointment. My only sort of downside to it was uh, I'm obviously big into my fight sports. You're big into your fight sports And though the the basic rules as far as the point system very easy to find very easy to understand I have scoured the internet and I cannot find how they see those initial fights now that might just be for somebody like me who's a bit of a nerd about it that wants to understand how the first people pick but my worry would be that maybe if somebody comes in and it's a bit confusing for them, that it may turn them off it. But like you say, if you come in a little bit, well, what's going on? And you're seeing knockouts, arms being ripped out, of sockets, and everything else in every fight. You're probably gonna give it a little bit longer.
1: Yeah. I don't- You know, it's like watching, you know, two grizzly bears fight. No one really cares about how they got there or why. (laughs) They just want to see these bears rip each other to pieces. Um, And that's what we're seeing, you know, each week in each of these fights. Absolutely incredible. Um, Yes, okay, maybe some of the rules could be a little bit easier to explain. Sure, it's teething problems. Every new promotion is going to have teething problems. Um, I absolutely commend them for this new this new you know so we've seen other organizations in the past you know come and go because essentially there's not that much difference in between you know what they're trying to do and what the ufc do you never want to come across as a cheap ripoff or a a cheaper version or or even a copycat and the pf you know the pfl doesn't in any sense of the word the whole the format's different you know they they have things like the you know the fans votes they've got the judges votes so you can see well actually you know the judges went this way but you know the fans you know they went they went for this fighter so it is Completely different, even down to the actual. I suppose octagon. I think I think the one that the uh, PFL uses ten sides, <laughs> um, and yeah. it's, it seems absolutely massive. So credit where credits due, They have not looked at the UFC and thought this is this is the route we want to go. We want to emulate them. I think they've looked at the MMA market and they found a niche here and gone. Actually, do you know what? We don't want to be the UFC. We want to be the PFL.
0: Yeah, and you know what. <laughs> a lot of all of the different organizations they're trying different things so you know you've got your bellator who's going for lots of tournament styles uh you've got your One championship where it's not a round by round round they choose at the end who's the overall winner people are trying different things i'll be honest when i when i read about this i thought that doesn't sound like it would work but so far from when i watched it it actually does it, it really does It it's I'm happily surprised so it's something that I'm going to keep my my eye on um, and pay attention to. Um I mean let, let's talk about the the last event let's talk about
1: some of the fights where do you want to start? I suppose let's go with the the absolute alpha omega um, Kayla Harrison an absolute beast in every sense of the word. Yeah. Um she's she you know she was 10 and 0 going into this fight she's now I believe a, she will be 11 and 0 now after after this latest win. And, you know, if if you're unsure about who Kayla Harrison is, um, she is an absolute tank within this organization. So she was actually the 2019 PFL Women's Lightweight World Champion. She's a former well, two-time Olympic and gold medalist at 2012 and 2016. She's so far undefeated in her MMA career, which is absolutely outstanding. And it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. And just for the pure excitement, seven of them out of nine wings now have come back by way of stoppage. So four knockouts and three submissions. So this, this woman can really, really, really mix it up.
0: Yeah, and you know what, right? Judo is a bit of a strange one. So if you look at the kind of purists sort of stereotypically who you think is going to be good, it tends to be more... Uh, your boxers, your strikers, your kickboxers, or in the flip of that, you know, your you BJJ guys when you get down on the ground, people who've got a strong wrestling base so they can take people down. Judo's not a huge one that jumps out. I mean, um, famously, Ronda Rousey, huge in judo, and it, it worked well for her until she started getting knocked out. Looking at Kayla so far, she seems really well rounded. I, I know it's early doors and the, the level over at PFL isn't necessarily the same as, as UFC. But she she genuinely looks leaps and bounds better than the other fighters. Obviously, she's won this this setup before, but she was such you know, it was a, such a great performance, and I know that she got the finish with a really really strong, quick transition into an arm bar where she could have ripped the girl's arm off. But it wasn't just a stereotypical I'm going to take you down to the ground. I'm going to try and wrestle you. Oh, I've seen that. It came from striking. And she got her into a position, and she continued to ground and pound. And then she saw the opening, slip, bang, got the arm. Yeah. And it's good to see somebody who is multifaceted in those areas, especially as she is still so early on in her, in her MMA career.
1: And you guys will know, uh, I think we mentioned it um, in, in the in the earlier in the, well, one of the previous episodes. It's so important not just to be you know um, dominant in in one area um, if you are going to be dominant in, in one area you have to be you know one of the one of the absolute greats like a, a Khabib with his wrestling um I, again you know Kayla Harrison is we're talking about one of the one of the best judo practitioners in in the world especially when we're, we're talking about females you know i think she was the only um American Judo Champion, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, this lady can mix it up with the best of them. But she, like you said, there, she is so, 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 so well-rounded. Um, and as far as far as her talent, she knows how talented she is. And we, I saw her um, kind of post fight. And she said, look, I am head and shoulders above the rest of these women. Yeah. Uh, no one can touch me in this division. No one can touch me in this promotion. And so, you know, I'm hoping to see from this, we're going to see other uh, female MMA fighters coming over, you know, wanting this fight. Yeah. And you know what,
0: right? One of the most important things is on the mic. Look at Rocky Edwards. He just had a good win, albeit a bit wobbly in the last round. He's on a 9-10 undefeated um, record. And people don't really care about him. And it's because he gets on the mic afterwards and he gives a, yeah, well, you know, I'll do what my managers say, you know, it's what it is. When someone gets on the mic and tells you, I'm the best, I want this person, I want that person, I'm going to smash you all to pieces, it gets you excited. There's a reason why Conor McGregor, everyone knows his name. Mm. Yes, he, he knocked out Jose Aldo in seconds and he had a great run beating Pore and, you know, various other great fighters on the way up. But you didn't know the names of those people. They were great fighters other than maybe Jose Aldo on the way up. It was the fact that he got on the mic and he told you what he was going to do and he laughed in people's faces and, and it sells and it gets you invested. And that's what she was doing.
1: Every fighter needs the the red panty night line. You know? <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? That my Irish accent, by the way, is, is horrendous. But you get the idea. Every fighter needs that those iconic lines. Conor McGregor is an absolute freak in yeah. that circumstance. He's right up there with your Chael Sonnets in terms of how well he can trash talk. You know, to the point where he's beating fighters before they're fighting him. You know, you look at the look at the Aldo fight. You know, it's, it was strange how Aldo went straight in there um, you know, free the big overhand and, and Connor just read it like a book. Connor predicted that. Yeah. He actually said that before the fight. This is what he's gonna do. Mm-hmm. A little bit back a little bit like Tyson Fury does when he's talking about look, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna stand in the centre of the ring, I'm gonna knock it spark out. Yeah. So, you know, there are different ways of doing it, but um it's all about promotion and selling your fight. And I think that, you know, this lady definitely 100 percent she she could be the full package. And I think she could be maybe pfl's version of you know ronda rousey was for ufc maybe she could be
0: she could be and
1: and you know what
0: when you look at someone like that who's so so dominant the normal thing that you'd say is you know where's the ceiling are they going to go to bellator are they going to go to ufc but when they've got this great model um where if you win in any of the divisions women's as well you get a million pounds sorry a million dollars she she could fight for the rest of her career in the u f c and probably never make that which is which is huge for for women so you're probably right they will push her and she she will become the face outside of you know somebody we don't know in there or someone somebody who's got less of a focus on her smashing her to pieces and exposing some hole that we've not seen yet but so far great things great things from her. Like I say, fanta- fantastic finish, but just excited to see more.
1: Yeah, I think we're definitely going uh, to. I I think she's probably going to win that that um, that division again. To be honest.
0: Yeah, I, I can't see anyone. No. A lot of the other ones much much closer. Some of them you could even flip a coin, but I'll be absolutely shocked if she doesn't win that.
1: So, yeah, so let's move further down the um, the, the fight night um, on the 25th of June. The next fight, really, really, I mean, they're all exciting, but this was another standout uh, to me and Mule. It was Fabian versus Pajic. Um, now, Fabian came into this fight, you know, four wins, one loss. Pajic came into this fight with three wins and two losses. So, you know, not too dissimilar, Um that's I suppose where the similarities ended um, because Fabian was absolutely dominant pretty much straight from the off you know started off first couple of seconds with a couple of leg kicks just to get the range in there um, and then it was a big left and the fight actually had to be stopped momentarily because Paget had lost the lost the mouth guard um, which was pretty much the last time that she had before she was getting absolutely chewed out
0: (laughs) you know what It, it was I didn't know much about these coming in you know Looking at it, the only loss of uh, Fabian's career was in the PFA last time in the playoffs when she was uh, fighting versus in the knockout stage, the, the seed above her. But coming out there, you can tell that she's got that, that Muay Thai background and that she was a world champion. That screwing left hook that knocked that mouthpiece across the ring, probably would have knocked a lot of people out, to be fair. It was a really crisp, clean shot. And then, let like you say, from there, she just... She just charged at her, and there was a, a nice head kick in there. But it was that left hook, just over and over again until she was barely conscious.
1: Well, I mean, she only—I think—if you—if we, if we reviewed the fight and the power that she was putting in, between, in into those fight, I think she only landed something like two or three, um, you know, left hooks. That was all. That was all that was needed. I mean, the first one took the mouth guard completely out. Yeah. Um, I just want to come back to to that leg kick, by the way, and give give credit where credit's due. There, that was a, that was like a standing leg kick. It was almost it seemed as easy as a jab to her. That would that that's what is so impressive about her um, Muay Thai. It's so quick. She didn't yeah. you know. Pagets had literally no time at there, and it did. It caught a flush straight on the chin, um, and it was a really really important you know build up to again another massive left which. You know pretty much crunched her and, and you know the fight was ended it was it was
0: and the the interesting thing for me from there is she obviously can stand and she can bang she has got a lot of power her record isn't isn't massive in MMA you know five MMA fights obviously she was a world champion in Muay Thai. so as far as sort of fight sport she she's been under the lights before she has got experience. In the draw next, she's obviously seeded, and she's seeded to fight versus Kayla Harrison. Now, we just discussed how well-rounded she was and that she can she can strike. But on paper, the experience standing up is obviously heavy, heavily with Fabian. Now, the ground game, you you, you absolutely going to give to Harrison. And the way that she's wrecked through this division before, she's going to be the favorite going into that. But stylistically, it's going to be an interesting fight.
1: Yeah, but 100%, we really, really, I suppose, it's it's a difficult one to call. I mean, you know, um, my head is saying Harrison here. This is the fight game, and, you know, anybody could win. Um, I suppose the one, well, not just the one, but I suppose the, the advantage that, that Harrison has is, is, you know, like we mentioned before, and I know we keep banging the same drum, but I can't stress how important it is to be so well-rounded in a number of disciplines, you know, um, we I've not personally really seen Fabian tested on the ground, obviously, the fight that we've been reviewing here, there was absolutely, you know, pretty much no examples to show us there, so I think you know, if she can stay on her feet, Fabian's got a great chance there. And that's not to say that Harrison hasn't either. No. Um, you know, she can definitely stand and bang as well. I suppose the, the danger is here is that Harrison can mix it up. Yeah. Um, you know, is Fabian going to be caught up trying to trying to defend these takedowns and you know get get kind of lost in that? And you know, that's going to give Harrison opportunities to um, to really double up. Or you know, is Fabian's takedown defense going to be good enough where the fight is going to stay on the feet and it's in it's in the realm that she's the most comfortable in. Yeah, I mean, Rashad
0: Evans, UFC Hall of Famer, he said it best. Obviously, he was known for both striking and, and his ground game. And he said, you want to make him make Sophie's choice. You want it so they're thinking, well, I can't block for the, the takedown because it'll hit me in the head. But I can't block the head because they'll go for the takedown and force them to make the decision so you can go to the other and if you've constantly got them in that mindset they're not thinking about what they're giving out they're thinking about what's coming back my money's still on on harrison but watching that last fight she she best keep her hands up or else she, you know she ain't gonna take that power
1: that's gonna be a fight that is uh, definitely gonna be a standout for me it's, it's probably the 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 first fight that has um, has got me really excited in the PFL. I think it'll be it could be a really big draw. And guys, we you know we are so excited to cover this fight. Um, we're probably well, we're definitely going to cover it. Um, maybe even try and give you guys a, a reaction if we can, um, because this one's going to be huge. Moving on further down the card, um, we're going to go with one of my all-time favorite MMA fighters. Anthony Pettis, Mr. Showtime himself. Mr. Showtime. Um, And he fought Manfio. Uh, Pettis came into the fight with 24 wins and 12 losses. Very, very respectable. Uh, Manfio came in with 13 wins and uh, 3 losses, which again, extremely respectable. I'll give you a, a brief little summary you guys should know who Anthony Pettis is but if you don't he was a former UFC lightweight champion he had 18 career wins by, by stoppage and some of the most exciting stoppages that we've ever seen in MMA
0: Absolutely.
1: he had 11 career knockouts he was a former WEC lightweight champion he was the first MMA fighter featured on a Wheaties box I bet you didn't <laughs> know that yeah, but your boy did his research uh, and he also coined um, the Showtime Kick. Uh, I, I'm sure you all remember that one.
0: Yeah, and if you don't, guys, pause the show. Don't stop it, because you'll have to come back. Pause the show, go to YouTube, and watch it. It is some movie-level, crazy, you know, the sort of stuff you just, you just don't see mm. in a fight, especially in a UFC fight. You know, when we, when we think about the UFC, it's the Champions League of... Of MMA, it is the creme de la creme. It is the World Cup, and to do the things that he did then, fantastic. Yeah, but what we have to remember is this isn't the same Pettis. That was a long time ago,
1: and that makes me very sad to be honest.
0: It is. It is the fight. To be fair, I thought was a, was a close one. I could I could see it going either way. I mean, on paper, coming into it. That is was the heavy favourite. Um, if you look at how the judges scored it, some of the people ringside and the fans, obviously, as it shows, as we've mentioned on, on the screen, flip a coin, it, it could have gone either way. And you could see at the end of the fight when they were both looking that it wasn't one of those fights where someone's feigning, or oh, this is close. And you know that someone else has won. It wouldn't have shocked me if it had gone either way.
1: Yeah, I think. It's a it's it's a sad one for me because I remember um, when Pettis you know left the UFC I went over to PFL There was a mad kind of promotion rush for, for PFL you know I, obviously I'm not going to say he was he was still you know a UFC's number one superstar you know he, he wasn't he was coming off the back of a, a couple of you know, less than stellar performances but he was still a massive massive name you know yeah. the unpredictability the the showtime kick me as a as a massive massive Pettis fan. I was expecting to to see that those behaviours and that fighting style move over because, yes, I know he's 34 years old. You know, he's not a, a 26 anymore. But, again, I don't want to be disrespectful to the other fighters because, obviously, we've seen, you know, there are some really high-level um, people in, in PFL. But the level that... Pettis was that I thought he was going to come over and be able to kind of bring his experience and and I'm going to say dominate, but perform better than he than he has been doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, for uh, a bit of a random story, I remember uh, when I was uh, younger and I was I was playing on a park and um, a professional footballer, a Preston North End footballer, um, Paul McKenna, was walking through. So me and my brother said, "Ah, oh, have a game of footy with us," and he did, and. He ran rings around us. We were young and fit, and he was faster. He was stronger. He was old yet unbelievable compared to us. And when you think about people coming from the UFC to these other names, to your Bellators and to your championships and to your P- uh, PFLs, you you think that they'll walk it because they've come from this high league, and it is going to be like a you know lads versus dad style, but what this is showing us, and again, I know he's older, but is MMA has, has caught up. These other organizations, they aren't a million miles away in the skill differential anymore. It isn't a case of this is the best and everyone else is terrible. They're marketed the best and do I think that the the best fighters are there? Yeah, absolutely. But there are some great fighters in these in these other um, organizations, and if you think just from leaving the UFC, you're going to get soft touches and you're going to walk through any any other organization, it's just not the case. Yeah,
1: I think it's a it's a, a massive wake up call for um, Anthony Pettis in general. He's not managed to leave himself in a position where he's going to be in those kind of you know, knockout fights where maybe he's going to end up third, second, or you know, winning the actual division. That's that's not possible now. He's He's now lost two out of two fights. I know that the second one was was close, but the first one, you know, wasn't at all. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you look at the first fight, it actually played a lot more in his favour because the whole fight was, you know, it was a stand up fight, and we can see what Pettis can do with his hands and, and his feet, and you know, and everything else. Um, so I'm I'm a little bit um, kind of disappointed. I'd, I'd like to say, mm-hmm. I suppose you know, let's give him his due, maybe. Maybe he's finding his footing. It's a new promotion. Mm-hmm. It's new rules. It's a new style. It's a new location. Maybe we'll see the actual Ant- Anthony Pettis, you know, in in next year's fixtures. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? Compared to
0: the rest of the card, it probably wasn't the most exciting fight. It was a good fight. It was a close fight. But I mean, even if we we throw um, a Brew versus Jones, I didn't know much about either of these fighters going in you mentioned it earlier on in, in the uh, in the podcast, but it was like King Kong had been let loose into the ring versus a, a standard man, and there was some great striking and some you know unbelievable knockouts and, and hammer fists, and, and that happened throughout the card. We saw these great finishes, these great technical finishes, and it, it loops back to what we said earlier. Uh, this, this point system, this scoring system, it makes you, you know, even if you've lost your first fight, If you win that first, that next fight in the first round, you can qualify. There's people who finish top seed with one win, one loss because of their stoppage compared to other people who've won two
1: and it's gone to points. Yeah, you've got to, the, the great thing is you've got to earn your fights here. You've got to earn your, you really earn your stripes and, and, you know, you are fully in control of, you know, the fights that you've got coming up. So we, you know we're going to talk we're going to talk about this 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 next week when you compare it to the ufc you know with with one man having so much power and, and essentially cherry picking these fights the great thing about the the pfl is what it, and it's it's definitely worth you know championing is and i suppose it is for the moment but we're going to see fighters who we're going to see these the, the great fighters not because, you know, they're going to bring in massive pay-per-view books, but because they've genuinely earned it and they've, they've earned that, that division championship. And I'm not saying the fighters in the, in the UFC don't earn it. I'm not at all. I'm not saying that. But these fighters are putting themselves in these positions. They are ranking themselves with their, um, with their fights. And just to come back to the uh, the, the Brown and Jones fight have a have a have a look guys the uh, the PFL has a i think it's an 8 minute video on youtube and it's well worth a watch it pr- pretty much just covers all of the highlights but i for me that was one of my favorites because it took me back to the old pride days remember pride yeah, yeah? just an absolutely crazy crazy organization some brutal fights but the hammer fist man they were just at, it, it, it was like a gbh in there at one point <laughs>
0: it was it, you know exciting fights but the setup's made to do it. So, credit to them. Fair play. I absolutely am invested. I need to know a little bit more uh, about some of the fighters and their background. There are some standout names in there. It isn't like the UFC roster or even the Bellator roster that you can look down and go, you know, know him, know him, know him, know him, know him, know him. Know him. Some of them you do have to do a little bit more research. And the, it absolutely is a mix of skill. You've got some well established. Uh, former champions versus some lesser-known up-and-comers up- but they've all been entertaining exciting fights and you know at least for this season they- they've brought me in
1: yeah So yeah, that moves us on uh, to the the actual uh, league standings, guys, or the or the, I suppose the table standings. And we're going to start at featherweight, 145 pounds. Now, obviously, we were talking earlier about how it how it works out, and obviously, the first fights the fourth.
0: Yeah, first fights the fourth, and the second fights the third in in all of the divisions. So if you're coming in at that top spot because you've earned that top spot, in theory, you're fighting the worst fighter mm-hmm. of them the fourth spot might not actually end up like that. It could have just been stylistically fights and, you know, different points. But even still, first, fourth, second versus third.
1: And when we say worst fighter, guys, that, that may not even be necessarily true. So I'll give you an example here, and a really good example. We look at the featherweight. We've got uh, Brendan Lough- in there in first. Now, his PFL record he's this season is two uh, wins, zero losses, and he's got nine points. Um, and now, obviously that's left him in first there but again if you move into second place chris wade two wins zero losses eight points third place bubba jenkins two wins zero losses six points and then uh movlid two wins zero losses and six points none of the fighters in the top four rankings there have lost a fight all that's happened there is, as we saw from the point system, some of them may have won in the first round, second round, mm-hmm. etc. Um, so I suppose in this instance, it might not even matter that much that you know first is fighting fourth, second is fighting third. No, absolutely not. I mean, it, if you look at uh, Kubalayev,
0: he's no joke. And I mean, we'll come into that when we're doing the build-up, but he is a tough, tough fighter. Um, heavyweights, uh, you know, it, it shows the difference that knockouts can make. Because again, we're getting people in there with huge differences. So the top seed, 12 points. So Bruno Kapaloza, not only has won, he's knocked him out in the first round. That's the most points that you can get. Now, obviously, bigger punches in the heavier divisions. But it shows that that compared to the fourth place, Jamal Jones, six points with one win. So there's a huge discrepancy there between the two. Um, We've got Dennis Golstov in uh, second and Ante, excuse my pronunciation, Delijah with one and one in second, uh, sorry, third with six points there. So big differences between the featherweights and the heavyweights, huge points discrepancies. You know, heavyweight one punch can be the difference there. So it it isn't necessarily a case of, you know, the lower points
1: people are worse. It depends on the matchup. And that's what makes this so exciting, guys. So uh, moving on to light heavyweight in first place there, we've got Antonios Carlos Jr. He has one win, one no contest with seven points. Moving into the second place, we've got Cesar Ferreira with uh, one win, one loss, looks like, and six points. Uh, We have Martin Hamlet. I apologise if I butchered that. I know Martin is a keen listener. He's got (laughs) one win, one loss and five points. And in the fourth spot, we have Emiliano Sordi.
0: Yeah,
1: put a bit of an Argentinian flair on the back of that. Uh, He's got one win, and it looks like one draw there with four points. Yeah. The actual only fighter who's had a draw so far as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Fun
0: fun fact about Mason as well. Speaks fluent Argentinian.
1: Yes. Yeah. And lightweight, moving down to the 155 pounders. We have in first place... Pray for me with this one. Loic Radzabov. Yeah. Uh, I probably sounded like Borat there. I apologise. <laughs> He's got one win, one loss, six points. Second place, we have Grey Collard. Two wins, zero losses. And again, six points. In third place, Raush Manfio, the Brazilian. Two wins, zero losses, six points. And coming in there, we have fourth place, Alexander Martinez.
0: Yeah and i don't want to labor the the you know the system the way that it's set up too much guys but obviously you'll probably notice there one win one loss in top spot because of the knockout so it really shows the fact that going for those early knockouts can make the difference for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look there, the the fighter there in, in third, the, the the Brazilian Manifo, he's actually got two wins. So yeah. you know, you could argue actually he's had the better, uh, he's had the better season. But it doesn't matter because yeah. uh, Loic had the had the had the knockout line. We all said. Yeah, uh, as did Clay. Um, yeah, welterweights.
0: So, Jao uh, Jarafrino, Jara can't even say any of these names. My accents are even even he, worse. He's
1: not a cultured man. Pretty much anywhere outside of uh, Preston, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even know where I live.
0: Uh, Rory McDonald. So you know some some more um, well known fighters uh, in the world's weight division. You know Ray Cooper the third's in there. Maga uh, Maga Mag- I can't say his name, but he Mag- is
1: Mago Mago McDonald. Mag- Mago Medy Kerimov, so smashed it.
0: <laughs> to be fair, he's a he's a very well known fighter. He is up and coming. There's a lot of people that are raving about him and and think that he might be the dark horse that takes um takes the the welterweight division. I'm just horrendous at saying Russian names or saying
1: names in general. Yeah, just reading to be fair women's lightweight so the 155 pounds here we have got in first place the brazilian Larissa pachecho um she has two wins zero losses with 12 points wow so that looks like she's had two first round stoppages really exciting yeah Um, second place we've got kayla harrison um who we were raving about earlier with two wins and again looks like 12 points so it means two first round stoppages uh, in third place, we've got Jenna Fabian, um, who again we were talking about earlier with two wins and eight points. And in fourth place, we have the American Taylor Guardedo with two wins, zero losses, and six points. So again, um, you'll notice that actually they've all won the same amount of fights. It just comes down to the stoppages. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: But I, I'm absolutely looking forward to this one. All of the weight divisions. There's very few of those weight divisions that I would put money on who the winner is going to be now, just because it is so close. But I'm excited to see it. Big money out on the table for these guys. I'll
1: definitely keep close to it. 100%, guys. We are definitely going to be covering more of the PFL stuff. I think you can tell we're pretty excited about this. Um, and on obviously all the UFC stuff as well. But guys, just a massive thank you for for everyone listening. Please do um, you know drop us a comment. You know like the video, retweet the video uh, when we drop it as well. We really do appreciate the support, guys. Uh, in the in the coming future, we're going to be doing things like you know giveaways for fans that have been here since since day one. We also want to hear your opinions. You know on on some of some of our opinions. If you if you did think it was controversial that the um, that the you know the fight we were talking about earlier. Was was stopped too early and the osp fight or whether or not i'm just talking rubbish we want to hear it guys so follow us on all the socials and and drop your comments and we will see you next week
0: absolutely peace